Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And welcome back to another episode of the BearCast. We're back. Uh, slightly rebranded. But we're back. We're back. We're back. How long has it been since we've recorded? Two weeks, I think. I can't I can't really remember. Two weeks sounds right. Yeah, two weeks sounds about right. Because we recorded right after the UCLA game. And then we haven't recruited since. Or we haven't, uh, what's it, not recruited podcasted since we haven't recruited at all <laughs> it's still just us sorry guys sorry to disappoint sorry to disappoint yeah it's but, just rob and andy uh, but yes as andy just said i'm one of your co-hosts rob with my other co-host andy we got a lot of news to talk about we got a lot of stuff to talk about today was what day took our germ today was signing day yeah it was it was glorious huge day huge day but I, have we ever had like such a boring signing day no. <laughs> boring is nice. No, boring is Mundane is nice. Actually, no. No surprises is nice. Yeah, no surprises. Yeah. No negative surprises. No ne- <laughs> but I feel like, you know, in years past, we've at least had something. But this was just like, mm, 25, all 25. This was a written. This was just a weird one, right? Yeah. I don't, I just, I can't think of like a more normal, like expected version of signing day happening for us in quite some time um i think the only one i mean we can talk we'll talk about this later when we go into our recruiting uh picks but uh iosefa i think was the only one that was like he took like a he had sc and oregon come out hard towards the end of that cycle but then he ended up staying and i think that was like a huge huge recruiting coup but other than that like he was already still it wasn't a coup in the sense that we stole it from someone else we just kept. We them. just kept them. <laughs> but then, doesn't usually happen. No, no. I feel like Boss Tagaloa with UCLA. Like I just have a lot of memories of guys that we were like Paco Perez. Man, remember yeah. flipping on signing day with the hats? Yes. Oh no. God! <laughs> punched me in the face. Yeah. Um. It was, dude. It was great. I mean, we beat. I mean, I'm gonna totally blow the lead on some of my uh, recruiting stuff, but. We beat Alabama on two commits and beat Oregon and SC on another. Like, LSU, Georgia. There's a, yeah. there's a bunch of schools that we beat for some recruits. Yeah. It's a, it's a strong class. And as we saw this year, they can have an impact year one. But I'm thinking two years from now, three years from now, these guys are – it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Very big, very big, very big. Um, so we got uh, a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the offensive coordinator stuff in a little bit. We're also going to talk about uh, recruiting. But first, the big story to come out over the last two weeks, before we delve into the questions, because a lot of questions revolve around the story that happened over the last two weeks, is Bo Baldwin is moving on to become the head coach of the Cal Poly Mustangs. Um, it was it was a weird like lead up to it, because we didn't. there was no news whatsoever. Right, kind of like 
There was some news about uh, UNLV going after Tim DeRoyter. Um, and then there was like zero news about Bo Baldwin, whether he was being retained, whether he was leaving, because his contract is up in a, in a couple months. So we were we were all like, what's going on? Usually offensive coordinator like firings or hires like happen immediately after the season's over. And it's not like we were playing in a big bowl game where we needed to wait until that point. So we'll talk about that timing and stuff in a little bit. But uh, yeah, Bo is uh, seeing through his duties, which means he will coach the bowl game. And then he will move on to be the head coach of the Cal Poly Mustangs. Which, I mean, first and foremost, I want your thoughts on his tenure here. And uh, just generally your Bull Baldwin thoughts as he goes on to re-become a head coach. Yeah. It's so, it's like, there's such like half-truths, half-truths, anyways. (laughs) Alternative Uh, facts. In rumors, yeah, (laughs) that we hear. Though, you know, what we heard over the years was Bo Baldwin wanted to go back home, and his family wasn't with him, and he wanted to go back north. And uh, and then, you know, that ended up, you know, he's in Cal Poly. (laughs) Uh, and and then we thought, south. like, you you originally hit me up about that job because it was a strong rumor that the Oregon running backs coach was going to take that role. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, the news about Bo Baldwin broke. Um, I think it's clear that he wanted to be a head coach. Uh, as far as his tenure at Cal, I don't think you can really speak about his tenure at Cal without saying it's disappointing. You know, he came in with the fanfare, you know, the fanfare, the you know, beating Pac-12 teams in the FCS and this offense that would both incorporate elements of the spread and pro style and uh, just really be a, a nice fit. And welcome back to the tight end, right? Everyone was all Ray Hudson tweeting out tight end, you know, all that good stuff. And then uh, we saw flashes really fast. We saw flashes in uh, that game against UNC and uh, – and it was exciting. Like Demetrius looked good. Patrick Blair developed. So it's Ross like Bowers looked good. Ross Bowers looked good. Um, and so you sort of felt like this could work well. And ultimately it didn't. But I still look at it weirdly positively. And I don't know why. Because the honest answer is disappointing. And the statistic, this, the data does not lie. <laughs> the data says that this was not a good offense. And I should not look back on this with any level of real fondness. And yet here I am. I'm like, oh, thanks, Bo, for all the good times. Like, And I th- I think that might be just like the epitome of Cal fandom right there. You know, it's like purely me- mediocre to poor results. And I'm like, enjoy your next job. <laughs> you get right off into the sunset yeah. on that grand horse. See you, Bo. Come visit sometime. Uh. What about you? No, I I think you're totally right. I am I'm, I think I'm in totally the right boat. There, his his tenure here over the last three years has a lot of asterisks, right? There's so many what ifs, regardless of how underperforming the offense was. There are so many what ifs about the first year, about the second year, and about this past season. Like you want like a basic rundown of you know the storyline, right? Like what if D Rob had stayed? What if Melchise had stayed? Like, what if some of our highly touted talent that was brought in by the previous staff on offense had stayed and developed here, right? Um, what if Laird didn't play more than half the season injured last year? What if Chase didn't play more than half the season injured last year? 
Um, what if we didn't go through that whole quarterback change? And maybe that was a a stemming issue from Chase's injury um, that was talked about, I think, on Rusty Simmons' article earlier this year. So, you know, like those things, you can't neglect. You have to take those things into consideration when you look at his three-year tenure here. And so that's why it's like a... Like, it sucks that it didn't work out for you both. Because I really rooted for you when you first got here. And the step down... Like, dude, man. You were a head coach for how many years? And then... 12, right? Yeah. And then to take that step down to to get your chance at being a, a Power 5 head coach. Like, I think that's kind of the course that he wanted to take. Become a P5 offensive coordinator... With a meet with like a medium to high offense, does well, then gets hired as a P five head coach somewhere else, right? I think that's probably what the the trajectory you were looking at. Didn't work out. Hopefully, he gets another chance to be a power five offense coordinator or head coach someday and at some point. And I hope he does well. Um, but just man, Murphy's Law, man. Like it was just whatever could go wrong did go wrong over three years and. Like, that's why we ended up where we're at. So, you know, thanks for the memories, as as you said. But it's it's like it's we're looking forward. And we're not, we're not like, sad that he's gone, but we're also not happy that he's gone. It's a very weird feeling, right? Um, and then, you know, we're going to talk about this recruiting class. But this entire recruiting class was intact despite Bill Baldwin leaving. So... I don't know. Is that a is that a negative on him, or is that a positive on this current staff, or is it a positive of just who they went after and guys uh, deciding they wanted to attend this university more than play football at this university? Um, like maybe that's maybe that was the case. Maybe we did find that gem class where they all committed to the the school and not the staff, um, and the staff was an added bonus. But yeah, we can we can uh, delve on that when we get into recruiting. But yeah, I think that's that's my remarks on Bo and the season that we had with him. Yeah, I'm quite pleased that he's not. I mean, in the same realm of Madison Bumgarner going to the D-backs, although that hurts a lot more. The uh, fact that realistically he's not going to you know a Washington, which was rumored at the time. It, a little bit helps because I always felt like he, if he had just like supreme talent, that it could be a really high functioning offense. But, uh, and not that I, I guess that was really poorly worded because it's not that we haven't had the talent, but like if he was able to get some of maybe those consistent four or five star guys and then have them be healthy, I, I did think that it could work. And, um, yeah, I think the weird thing is, you know, if this was announced, in the beginning of November would be like, thank goodness. And then the way November went, we're like, well, we kind of like, you know, had amazing halftime adjustments against Stanford, beat them. We kind of like took care of UCLA, no problem. And all of a sudden there was like momentum and we have a really good class. But I think this is a really unique inflection point for Cal football where, and a trace covered this in his article. So shout out to you trace. But uh, it, if you make the right hire here, this program could go, I mean, could be perennial top 25, you know, competing in the mm-hmm. top half of the Pac-12, and, and there's no reason to expect anything less. Yeah. And I think if you make the wrong hire, we're sort of stuck in where we are. 
and that's the beauty of it is like we've established this really a much higher floor than where we were, you know, a couple of years ago. So, and yeah, the, the staff retaining all of the recruits when you're off and it's a heavy offensive staff, when the <laughs> offensive coordinator goes to uh, take a new head coaching gig, I mean, I, I credit the, the staff and I think they're pitching clearly and sending the right message to those kids, which is, you know, it's about your education first and then playing football second. So commit to the school because it's a 40 year decision um, not a four-year decision. Not a four-year decision, as you know, if you commit with the football program. Yeah, I think, I mean, it it goes to show the type of characters and people that Wilcox brought in to be a part of his staff, right? And just high character guys um, that care not only about winning on the football field, but just generally caring about those guys, like as people. Um, they don't see them as just players on a football field; like they're genuinely concerned for their well-being and and everything else like you you see it um when you see like ga's video today when he was talking with some of their recruits like you see it with um what's it burl toller in that video earlier today when he's talking to recruits like you see it across the board and you also see it with the uncertainty of what was going to happen with offensive staff and yet as soon as the ucla game was over every single one of them with the professional mindset was out there recruiting, regardless yeah. regardless of what the storylines were going and and what was potentially happening behind the scenes, like that just tells you like they're one they're good at their job like they're they're professionals right. Um, at the same time, it's like you could have easily just packed it in and just been like, if I'm not like just give me an answer now, coach. Like, am I staying or am I leaving? Because if I'm leaving, like I want to get a head start on wherever else I want to go or wherever else will take me. You know, if I'm if I'm staying, then I want to get to work on that too. But like, regardless of what the decision was up in the air, you know, they did their job. They were out recruiting. They were talking to to kids and and convincing them to stay or to to come here. And so, yeah, I mean, hats off to to Wilcox doing that. I mean, the the one storyline that Nam and I have been talking about is like this could be a big in, in like point when we look back at Wilcox's coaching history here, like three years, like let's say he makes the wrong hire. Like, okay. So we did talk about what happens if he makes the, the perfect hire or like the good hire, right? If he makes like the wrong or like terrible hire here, then we're looking at probably resetting the program in like another three years. Right. I don't, if he makes the wrong hire here again, I don't see how you can retain a head coach that made, I mean, in retrospect, two bad decisions as in terms of hirings, in terms of what they produced. So, like, we're, it's I think this is a very big turning point here. Like, if he if if he gets an offensive coordinator that's like smack dab middle, we can continue and we can build on that. But if it if it goes continues to what we had in the last two years or worse then there's another question that's going to have to to be answered, right? I, I find it... I guess I won't say this again. I said it last year, so I won't say it again. That's fine. <laughs> if you kept it the same as it is now, you're going to bowl games every year. I think his job is safe. I don't think you fire a head coach. One, you could poke holes into the Bo Baldwin hire and say it was the right hire to make. It just didn't work out. Yeah. 
And then, you know, depending on what theoretically would happen, if you're, I think the foundation of football programs, I remember Utah, Utah, I specifically remember playing them in the Poinsettia Bowl. And when I saw their equipment truck after the game and they beat us, I saw on the back of their truck, all of their bowl wins. And at the time, Utah was nobody. I mean, they were like the program that we had just brought into the Pac-12, or I don't even think they were in the Pac-12. They were yet. still in the Pac, or they were still in Mountain West, maybe. Yeah. And then, and then, but they what they did have on the back of their equipment truck were all the bowl wins that they had had, and they built this reputation as the best team in bowls. And that's like the foundation that I think we're starting to build here is that we're going to go bowling every year. And that's how you start to build the program up. I mean, you hear, you see what Trey Pastor tweeted? He's like, great, I'm in practice next week. Next week! <laughs> he's coming on campus, and he's getting a chance to practice with the team. Like, that's crazy. That's a huge advantage. So I think if we're still, if we just, that's why I think it's it's an inflection opportunity. Because you look at the floor, and the floor is relatively safe. If you get somebody that is a bad hire, it's hard to be any worse. All right, I'm going to say it. It's hard to be any worse than we are now, right? It Theoretically, it's tough. There is lower, but it's hard to go lower. It would be a challenge with <laughs> everyone be being upperclassmen on that side of the ball. I mean, it would just be – it could happen. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Everyone listen. Like, all the karma people, like, in, the, in this – floating Universe. world that are like hey i'm gonna get you again andy like please don't i don't need that lesson again but what i'm trying to say is that i think that the uh the inflection point right here is that if you stayed at where we're at you're most likely 500 plus maybe one or two wins in bowling year in year out i think if you make the right hire you start looking at that eight and four consistency the nine and three consistency um, you know, there's a lot of exciting things that could happen, assuming that you're able to maintain, you know, that top 40, top 50 defense on the other side of the ball. So, yeah, I just don't know if Wilcox is going to get fired uh, for that, even if he misses on this hire. But let's move on and talk about some candidates. Yeah, let's let's get into the questions because there's a lot of questions about said hiring. Um, our dear friend Adams, I really like this question. So he says. Would like to hear your thoughts on your quote-unquote approach to the OC job. Like, how do you weight various characteristics such as experience, level, like JUCO, FCS, FBS, slash position coach, or style of play, or innovative approach, or recruiting ability, etc., and how you guys would rank the candidates currently accordingly? So, that's a very good question. Could uh, spend an entire podcast We could spend an entire podcast that. with that. Let's just talk about what he wrote, okay? Because if we go into et cetera, there's so many other variables. But let's just look at uh, experience, level that they coached at, style of play, and recruiting ability. Let's say it's just those four. What? How would you? How would you rank those four in terms of if you were an, a head coach, like looking for for a coordinator? For you personally, I don't think this has to be like a if you're if you were in Wilcox's position or, or whatnot, like just yeah. you as a person, I think that's what it's he's... hard to remove my bias. I'd actually rather answer it with the Cal bias involved because that's the only frame in which I would evaluate the situation. Okay. Let's say you're in Wilcox's position. You're so... in his shoes. You've been freaky Friday into his body. You have a, you have two weeks to pick out your offensive coordinator. You're starting from scratch 
I think this is like that fun, like retread versus, you know, is this, this is yeah. like the Decure versus Mark Fox conversation. Yeah. It really is. It's like the same conversation with a different packaging. Yeah. Um, and I like the Mark Fox hire. <laughs> uh, but what I would want here is a little bit of like the reason why I like Lycan so much as a candidate is because he has this familiar. I know that he can recruit. I know that he has familiarity with the program and the limitation or the restrictions in which come with the role. And I know that he's been able to do this at a top level, which would be, you know, in the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Um his offenses haven't always been the best there, but it's someone that I feel like I would be relatively safe with. I feel like he's a safer pick with the with the decently high ceiling, um, and someone that can coach up an area, like continue to coach up an area for us, which is our passing game. Uh, that I think you know could be a big strength, which you look at the guys that are coming into. So I guess if I was looking at it, I sort of I care a lot about recruiting, and I care a lot about experience. Um, but I also care a lot about the familiarity with the program and the school because I do think it's a unique place. And we've seen the benefits of that with a, someone like Wilcox who gets it. And we've seen the sort of deficiencies with someone like Sonny Dykes who didn't. I mean, he, he did and he didn't, kind of. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if I'm fully answering the question, but I'm like trying to get there. I think the two biggest things for me come with the experience. Um, and so that's why I'm a little bit anti going to FCS again. I'm kind of like anti the William and Mary uh, candidate. You know, like I just sort of think I want something more proven because I don't think it takes much for this team to get to nine wins. I think we're looking at moving this offense from 100 S&P plus or 110 S&P plus to getting it to 70 S&P plus, 60 to 70 S&P plus. And you're talking about what we wanted this year, right? Yeah, exactly. And you're talking about nine or 10 wins. I don't think we need to shoot for the moon with the hire where, um, you know, maybe you could make the case with the basketball program. We did because of the position it's in. And that's the advantage once again, of being in this, like this, this spot. So that's, the candidate now that I'm looking for, I'm not looking for the one that's going to be this like splashy young gun, but like possibly going to f- completely fall flat in my face. Like the Bengals. I'm looking for, you know, uh, someone that has a proven track record on almost all of those things that, uh, I know what my floor is, but I also am excited to kind of about what the potential ceiling is. It just might not be a Graham Harrell type of ceiling, but it could be top 40, top 50 type ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I think my one-two is regardless of who comes in, right? I don't think the level at which they coach that matters. Um, Personally, I think it's more about experience and more about recruiting ability. I think those are the two, two biggest things for me right now. Because of how offensive recruiting has gone over the last few years, and because of the fact that we basically just have had close to none in terms of development of players across the board. So, yeah, play calling can get better as well. Um, but that, I think, comes with a guy who has more experience than a young gun hire. So, I mean, let's get into it. Our recruiting big board is up. We have had pretty much close to zero updates on it whatsoever over the last two weeks for Zach week. Hill. other than Zach Hill like it's been pretty much like non-existent like we haven't heard like an inkling of like 
who's interviewed or who's talked to anyone like it's been pretty much close to zero so i did want to like bring up adams mentioned that wilcox specifically said i mean i know he said this because i watched the press conference for the red box bowl yeah and he was saying like there is no timeline yeah and i don't love that yeah <laughs> i just don't like I, I also think that the this is my personal take on why he said that is because I think he's trying to say, don't expect us to hire someone by the time the bowl game rolls around. Yeah. Which I'm totally okay with because of the fact that our entire recruiting class has been retained. All of these guys will be here like come the fall. And then the second thing is a lot. So I do know that a lot of coaches meet like coaching hires and stuff at like the college football playoffs. You know, at those like coaching like symposium type things. Um, so maybe that's what he's waiting for. Maybe he's waiting for a chance to like meet up with a whole bunch of coaches, which I'm sure he'll be invited to. Uh, maybe it's at the Rose Bowl, like you know, just talking to other head coaches or other assistants. Um, like I think, I think that's not a bad way to do it if you like want to make some more connections and thoroughly like go through your. Your choices, uh, but granted, some of the big name hires are the ones that are like hot names will probably be off the board by then. Right. So yeah, and that's I mean I'd be lying if I said I didn't wish that we you know had moved like ASU moved fast on Zach Hill. Like I would have been pretty happy with that type of uh, movement on it, but oh well. Yeah, I for me it's like if you didn't have one in mind already to like get one, like you had a top guy at the top of your name that you knew was going to be hot, a hot prospect. And just grabbed him right away. I don't mind the long and a long and steady approach. If that wasn't the case, right? Um, all right. So the names that we had on our board that we created was Zach Hill, who is no longer on the board because he is now the offensive coordinator at Arizona State. Uh, we currently still have Mark Helfrich. Um, once again, by the way, we have no information on whether these <laughs> coaches are like on <laughs> Wilcox's board of hires or not. Like we have zero. We pretty much just pulled any guys who had like ties to the Pac-12 and like was an offensive coordinator who was either experienced or uh, like our young up and coming like big names. So Mark Helfrich, of course, who is still the OC at for the Chicago Bears. Rob Likens, uh, who is currently probably at home interviewing and looking for a job. Uh, we also got uh, Mike Sanford Jr., who's the current Utah State offensive coordinator, but formerly the Western Kentucky head coach from 17-18, the Notre Dame offensive coordinator from 15-16, and 16, the Boise State offensive coordinator 14, and then three years at Stanford as the recruiting coordinator, the QB wide receiver coach, uh, the running backs coach, and other titles. So, yeah. And then the next one would be Jed Fish. He's a LA Rams assistant offensive coordinator uh, who is the former... UCLA. UCLA offense coordinator who coached with guys like Tui and all them. So that's the connection there. Uh, Ryan Lindgren, who's the current Oregon State offensive coordinator and QB coach. I'm pretty sure he's staying at, uh, yeah. at Oregon State. So I'm going to knock him off the list uh, soon. But I just his name was there. Uh, the other names, two names that have popped up is uh, Brandon Marion, who is the current William & Mary offensive coordinator and QB coach. Um, on the, the 247 article that had Bo Baldwin's uh, moving on or that story about Bo Baldwin moving on to Cal Poly at the very end they talked about potential uh, people and they said that Marion is interested in the open position so that doesn't mean that Cal's interested in him 
It's just someone in his camp, maybe his agent or whoever, just told 247, like, yeah, I'm interested in the job. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean much there. And then the last one that we just added recently, uh, and recent by recently I mean last week, is uh, Derek Dooley, who's the current uh, Missouri offensive coordinator and QB coach. I still don't know if he's being retained um, after Barry Odom was fired. Like he's still on the staff. I don't know if the new staff has decided to retain him or or fire him. But um, the reason he's intriguing, or at least the the reason he links to Cal as the former Tennessee head coach is because he gave Justin Wilcox his first DC job, like power five DC job. Cause he hired him away from Boise state. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we do know that Wilcox loves those connections, previous connections yeah, and, and the previous like head coaching experience and such. So yeah. So former, just some former positions that Derek Dooley's had as the Dallas Cowboys wide receiver coach from 13 to 17 Tennessee head coach from 10 to 12, which he had Wilcox there. Louisiana Tech from 07 to 09. The Miami Dolphins tight end coach from 05 to 06. LSU assistant head coach, running backs, and special teams coordinator from 03 to 04. Um, and uh, was the LSU recruiting coordinator from uh, 2000 to 2002. So he's been to a lot of places um, as long as he possibly could. Uh, and he's an offensive, offensive dude. Runs up quote-unquote pro-style offense and he had Kelly Bryant this year uh, the transfer from Clemson but he also coached Drew Locke who is now the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos so you know he has he has that pedigree in the and the lineage of guys that he's coached that has moved on to to become that so yeah those are on the list my current number one still on the list is Mike Sanford because one, he was a recruiting coordinator at Stanford, so he knows how to recruit on the West Coast. Two, he's also been at high academic institutes like Stanford and like Notre Dame, um, that he knows how to do that. And third, he's a young dude who's been a head coach, did not work out for him, and he's back to being an OC, and he's doing pretty well for himself at Utah State. And his offenses that he had before uh, like at Boise State and at Notre Dame, like they're pretty dang good. Like Notre Dame's current quarterback, Ian Book, recruited by Mike Stanford. Um, Deshaun Kaiser, and the reason he skyrocketed up people's draft boards to become a second round pick was Mike Stanford was his quarter, quarterback coach and his offensive coordinator. Um, CJ Procise, who's on the Seattle Seahawks right now, over a thousand yards rushing under him. When he was at Boise State, another pro that he he had was Jay Ajayi. Ran for 1,800 yards. 1,800 yards on and 28 touchdowns. So the dude can recruit and the dude can identify talent and the dude can coach. Yeah, he's a great pick. I think that's my number one that's currently there. But for you, your choices... Unless you have one that's outside of this, that mall yours too. The only one I think is interesting is what I don't know what in the world happened at Notre Dame with Chip Long. But yeah, he's like I would love someone that has that level of pedigree. Yeah, um, I mean everyone. I think like Helfrich is a pretty safe pick. Uh, he's not up there for me because I don't. <laughs> he's not available. But like, yeah, uh, we know that Wilcox likes coaches with previous head coaching experience. 
Um, I obviously have already kind of said my piece on Rob Likens, and I think he would be a great fit because he's like a huge culture fit and a uh, big fan of his just in life. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I agree. I don't think Lingren's going anywhere. So, I, I yeah, I think Sanford is pretty much the guy if you're looking for someone who's relatively young but then has coaching experience and then also has that recruiting edge like I think he's he's definitely my pick too uh, from the Mountain West but then shortly quickly followed by Rob Likens yeah I think we're we're in agreement not much not much else to talk about there Um, I guess the next thing is uh, recruiting unless we want to talk more about the OC stuff like done with questions uh, I mean, we have more questions, but they're either about the bowl game or they're about yeah, let's do it. Rec- recruiting. So, all right, let's talk about the bowl game before we move on to recruiting. So, we got some questions. Um, Alex sends us, uh, what's your red box score prediction? Um, and then also, we have from our dear friend Sam Fielder, uh, I know nothing about Illinois. Are they a good or bad matchup for Cal? What are their strengths and weaknesses? So, it's currently where we're at. Those are the two questions about the bowl game. You go first. Uh, score for Red Box Bowl. Cal, 33. Illinois, 17. Is my score. Uh, this matchup is very weird. Because I think, um, barring our offense imploding in this game as a whole we're going to win this game handily um we know our defense is going to basically destroy their offense uh but then from the other side their big thing is as like creating turnovers and scoring points off of those turnovers for their offense creating short fields if our and our offense has not turned the ball over a lot this year weird weirdly <laughs> Um, so if we're not throwing picks and we're not fumbling the ball, then we handily, I think, just make this a possession game and we'll we'll just run out the clock. How quickly you forget the cheese. That's a year ago, though. There's a lot of picks. I know. I know. But to be fair, the entire season was a lot of picks. I mean, leading up to that? Yeah. Don't you remember what, the Washington State game, the Arizona game? <laughs> Like yeah, yeah, just yeah, the season course. as a whole. But that wasn't like that wasn't Chase's fault, right? right. But I'm just saying the season as a whole was just a lot of interceptions. Sure. <laughs> and okay. Okay. We don't have that many interceptions this year. I feel like you forgot the cheese. The cheese can come back to get you. Uh, the cheese can always. Did I, I showed you right? I'm my craving cheeses right now. My my pack of cards, <laughs> my cheese it bowl cards that I got as a secret Santa gift uh, from one of my gaming buddies. <laughs> just when we think we're out of it, oh, it yeah. pulls you back in. You can't forget the cheese. I actually do agree. I think this game is going to be a lot like the Ole Miss game. I expect us to like uh, firmly outplay them, but then it'll be closer than we would like it to be. Yeah. They just mount like a comeback or... Yeah, something that know. makes it close at the end when it really shouldn't have been close, but we yeah. don't care as much because it's the last game of the year. and <laughs> We've already won. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but that's what I would expect. It's interesting. It's it's a late game relatively. It's December 30th. Yeah. So it's, it's a, a lot game. of time off. 
uh, for the team. So I do think turnovers may happen with the additional time off. You get a little cold. Yeah. Haven't played in a while. For sure. It's a long break. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm expecting Cal to win. uh, And I'm expecting us to win by 10 at least. So I think your prediction is pretty much spot on. Yeah. Um, That's pretty much it. Uh, We don't have anything about other than that about the bowl game. Just the scores? Yeah, just the scores and uh, what we thought about the matchup. But let's move on to recruiting. So we got a bunch of questions. Um, Adams asks, thoughts on recruiting class? Any immediate contributors? Um, Cal asks, uh, what players do you see having a role early on? Uh, and so on. So those are, it's pretty much all recruiting questions. So all right. Do you can get to it? Yes. Give me. Giving you guys exactly what you want. Yeah. So here are. Your six? My top five recruits to watch. Do we want to go one at a time or do we want to just go, you want to go all and then I go all? I did mine in order, so that's up to you. Let's just do one at a time. All right. Go for it. Number one overall pick. Oh, we're go- is this in order? Like yeah. your number one favorite recruit and then like it's not just in uh, just the top five? Uh, I'll say it's in order. I don't know how intentional it was, but uh, I have an order. Okay. DeAndre Rogers. DJ Rogers. DJ Rogers, my dude. Selected Cal above Alabama. He is humongous. <laughs> he is massive. Uh, he literally watching his tape. He looks like a giant playing with ants. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has great hands. He's fast and he's humongous. His pass protection highlights are ridiculous. <laughs> He's just sealing blocks, and it's like as if you know, Tony Gonzalez was sealing me on a block. <laughs> I, yeah, he doesn't look like a normal human being. It's, no, it makes no <laughs> sense. He could contribute immediately. I, I dare say, and this is before he's even gotten on the field, and he's currently recovering from injury, too. But I dare say he's the starter at tight end come fall 2020. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just I just think he is. Um Okay. Uh my first one. My boy Christiakos. Wow. My boy Christiakos. And the reason, the reason I go with this, have you ever seen a player, all right, catch a touchdown pass? Then kick their own PAT, then kick the ball off again. No? No. I tell you, it is possible with our boy, Christiakos. So you ranked him number one for that? Well, I, my, my list isn't in order. Okay. It's just it's just one through five. It's just a top five. All right. Well, you stole my number five pick. <laughs> but so. yeah, dude. And did you know, I learned this from Nam today. He averaged 17, I believe 17, 14 or 17. I can pull up the tweet, but 14 or 17 yards per catch in Arizona's top high school league. Yeah. That's, he, a, that's an incredible stat line. He's incredible. Yeah. Um, do you know how many offers he had? No. How many offers did he have? Yes. I'd say somewhere around 25. 21. 21. Wow. Nebraska, Utah, others. I think Harvard was in there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Harvard yeah. 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 He, he's insane. So he lines up. He's 6'4". <laughs> Lines up on the outside, and he high points every single ball. Yep. And out muscles all the DBs. And uh, the love that his highlight reel started off with a one-handed catch. And I also think we just kill it in Arizona. 
a la yeah. Brett Johnson and uh, Charlie Regal. Regal, yeah. So I I think he could be a huge piece. So I think that's a solid pick. And he and he gives us another uh, person at kicker. And yes. <laughs> we're, we're just talking about his wide receiver stuff. He gives us another option at kicker. 6'4 kicker. Yeah, 6'4 kicker. <laughs> we're going to be the talk of the town if he actually does what I just said. Like yeah. he he kicks he kicks off or he uh, catches a touchdown pass, kicks his own PAT, and kicks off. Like I don't think there's a college player that's ever done that. That's true. In that succession. So. That's true. It'd be, it definitely makes more sense there. <laughs> Alright, number two. I'm, I'm going the most predictable route. First. Okay. Jaden Casey. Oh, wow. Jaden Casey at number two. Okay, okay. So, also had committed to Alabama, or had, sorry, had an offer to Alabama. Yep. Um, and then anytime Teddy comes calling for a quarterback, you gotta like him. Yeah. So, previously Fresno State commit. If anyone didn't get that Teddy reference, if you didn't, I'm not sure how. Uh, and he slings the ball. He slings the ball, and he's shifty. He's super shifty. Do you know he can dunk off of two feet with a two-step like start? Yeah, it's, that's crazy. He's an athlete. I couldn't even touch him. Uh, his dropbacks are also like really solid. Like usually in high school tape, you see like really lazy or like kind of like yeah, his, footwork's his, not as his not footwork as, is really good. Yeah. His body's always upright. He's good throwing. I mean, like, I think the throwing motion could use a little help, but like, other than that, he slings the ball like really, really well and seemingly effortless, which is what you want to see. <coughs> um, I think he's super legit. I wouldn't go as far as Nam, in which I believe he said the best arm strength, raw the, arm talent, raw arm talent in the last decade, in last decade, which I don't go that far. I but. think Zach Klein might have had the better arm talent just from his high school tape. Like, not what he turned into, but... Yeah, arm yeah. talent is loose, man. Because, yeah. like, Jared Goff was accurate as all helling in high school, and it's, like, really hard to yeah. knock him. Yeah. <laughs> Depends know? on the talent you're playing against yeah. and the talent you're playing with and, you know. So, yeah, Jaden Casey, huge commit. And yeah. once again, recruited by Bo Baldwin and firm on his commitment to Cal. Dang, you took one of my dudes. All right, my next one. It's Mr. Baker, the touchdown maker. <laughs> oh, that was originally Chris Baker on the Jets. You know that, right? Yes, yes, I do. I All do. Right. All right. Um, but man, this kid's tape is just straight ridiculous. Have you? Did you watch his tape? You need to go and watch his tape because I, I guarantee you, if you go home and watch this tonight, I'm gonna get a text from you just saying, "Wow," because he literally gets guys to miss out of their cleats. <laughs> Like he, I've never seen a dude break ankles that smoothly and that easily and be able to hit like plant and just explode into top speed. Hmm. He, he's arguably one, probably one of the fastest guys I've seen like since I've started like, recru- like going over recruiting. Is he and faster than recruiting. Mason? I think he is. Mason's my dark horse. Yeah. I think if you, I think if you put him in a foot race with Mason, he might win. And I think he might win. Out of the entire team right now, too. Wow. He is ridiculously quick and super athletic. Um, he's he's got to work on his route running a little bit, and I'm sure they'll. That's one of the things they're going to work on. But for now, 
with Jamal with uh, sorry not Jamal Baker that's a basketball player <laughs> sorry Kentucky yeah um, but with him I think the big thing you need to do is basically run him like you did Demetrius uh, when Demetrius first got here to campus which which is basically you know how good his athleticism is and you know how good he's going to go out and get the ball just send him on out routes and deep routes dude what's crazy about this is you have I mean just to step back a little bit is you're saying Justin Baker wide receiver yeah I have Jeremiah Hunter. Yes, I have Tacos. Yes. And uh, Mason Magnum. Yeah. Mangum. 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 Uh, all on this list. Yeah. What? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Wide receivers? <laughs> Offense? The, the thing with Baker, too, I think long term, he becomes our version of what Essie had in Adderley Jackson. Um, One could hope. One could hope. Right? I think. I mean, I'm not saying that that's what he's going to be. I think that's the ceiling that he has. He he could, he has the talent to be able to play both sides of the ball for us long term. Um, playing playing like either a slot corner or like just against smaller wide receivers uh, at DB and like speedier guys, and then also play wide receiver and also sometimes maybe even line up as the running back, like just as a as a speed edge dude. Um, but yeah, dude. Oh my god, I I'm so excited to to watch this guy like in practice and stuff. I I don't think you can keep him off the field. I honestly don't think his athleticism and his just by his speed alone, take away everything else, just from his speed alone, I don't think you can redshirt him at all. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Well, keeping with the theme of wide receiver. All right. Jeremiah Hunter. Oof. We beat out Utah, Arizona State. Uh, the thing that I like the most from him is that he is like he can shed tackles, and he has super strong legs, like really, really ridiculously strong legs. And, and his he's hands fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, he had a punt return that was like watching Deshaun Jackson, like literally, uh, <laughs> like the same thing where he bounced it around and ran all the way back. The Tennessee punt return. Yeah, yeah. And he's six two, one eighty. I just think he'd be a ridiculous. He's just gonna be a great red zone Have threat. You s- you, did you see that highlight in his tape where he the one-handed touchdown grab, like where the ball went to his inside shoulder, so he opened up his body and then caught it with his left hand? Do you see that one? So he's lined up on the left of the left the left side of the the hash, and it's like maybe I think five yards out from the end zone. He just runs a straight, just I think I don't know what the route was, but he he run it's a straight route runs stri- in a straight line. As soon as he enters the end zone, like he looks and he sees the ball already thrown in his direction, and he can't break on it. So what he does is he sh- he just pulls his inside shoulder like back and opens up his and opens up his body to the ball, but the ball's already being thrown to his inside shoulder, right? So as he's turning that, he just swings his outside arm forward and grabs it like as the ball's passing in front of his face, and just grabs it with one hand, and two tups, two toe tap, and he's in the end zone. Like the grab was just amazing because the the ball had no arc on it. It was just a zip line, and he just put he just had the reflexes to turn and just put his hand out and just rip that thing out of the air. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> oh, I love recruiting in this time of year because it just gets you hyped for the future, right? <laughs> so much hype. It's like it's like free agency for me. That's true. Like in the NBA or in the NFL, it's like you just. What could your team do to improve? This is the only time in in college sports where your team can't improve. 
like from outside help. Yeah. Transfers. Uh, yeah, but less so. Yeah. Because you don't see the mass migration as right. much. Right. Yep. So. All right. Uh, my next one is... Uh, Dang it! You had Jaden Casey. Jaden Casey was mine too, on there. He took you took one of mine, and you took Hunter too. Um, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like a double. Mine was like a like a one like a one A one B type, which is uh Ricky Correa and Jaden Roberts. Because from what I've read, they're unsure what side of the ball they're gonna play on. Whether they're gonna be an offensive lineman or a defensive tackle, I. Do think that Roberts or Korea, wherever they end up, is going to be a massive issue <laughs> for the opposing team. Um, their measurables are huge, huge. They're 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 literally trucks that cannot be moved. <laughs> like they're just they're just like they're just a massive bowling ball just sitting in the middle of the field for you that you just can't seem to like move or budge. And just they're just kind of standing there. Korea like. 330 yeah. or he was yeah. like 360 and like lost that weight yeah can you imagine if like you had so this was the thing for me right like Korea and Jaden Roberts like Jaden more so because he was later and Ricky was a lot earlier of a commit but you place any of those inside and they're let's say they're able to play day one which I hope one of them could be and you put one of them at defensive tackle or like at nose and you have him and Maldonado basically rotating at nose that means if Beckett and Ziande both get their sixth year of eligibility, you return that. Plus, you have Cam Good on the outside, and then you can, and then that's where it gets fun. Because then, where could you put Brett Johnson? Could you put Brett Johnson inside and just line him up like on the inside shoulder, you know, of a guard? So you have a center and a guard having to go against a Maldonado slash Brett Johnson combo. <laughs> like you're just, what the f do we do? Like we can't push him off to the tackle because then if you if you push him off to the tackle, then someone's coming off unguarded, right? Right on the edge, which it just brings up it just so many possibilities that you can start like making little packages for everyone, um, and making up those little mismatches and forcing the offensive line to make a decision on can can the quarterback throw fast enough or can we do go one on one and and protect our quarterback? So yeah, there's there's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of fun there playing around with some of those big bodies throughout the middle yeah i kind of hope they end up on the all right i definitely right now i'm leaning towards the defensive side of the ball Mm -hmm. but because our o-line is we're really kind of you know set and we're also kind of young yeah exactly so i would i mean i think that getting the consistent play out of the nose tackle as as you said and like trying to get like some form of like the justin smith alden smith combo Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Woo! Cameron Good would, could have a legendary season. Yeah, Cam Good. Yeah, if he's not double teamed off the edge. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. He's gonna be destroying running yeah. backs in this league. Sixteen sacks. Yeah. All right, your next one. And my final one. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know how to say his name. Mulu. <laughs> Iosefa. Yeah, Iosefa. Yeah. Linebacker, we beat out, as you said earlier, Jeez. Oregon, Nebraska, University That's... of Spoiled Children in Utah. He's fast, but I think what I liked more than his speed and his tackling, he like tackled really well and wrapped really well, was he was really decisive. Yeah. A lot of the highlights that he had were against like RPOs, 
and he's really good at like a kind of a, making a decision on option one and then closing in on option two. Yeah. And uh, and I think that's huge. I mean, we we need someone that can pick up and read that really quick. So I can see like why uh, why he's liked, and then also I think our depth like banjo is gone, so he's dismissed from the program, and so I think we need like OLBs. So yeah. it just was a good position. It's like a position of need, and um, you and, gotta love the teams that are in on him too. Yeah, it's it's weird because his position is like yes, it's a position of need because we rotate so many guys. But at the same time, we're so top-heavy at that position now where we can take guys on, and if they're good enough, slot them in and play them. Right. Like, does that make sense? Like, yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird thing because I feel like I'm contradicting myself by saying we don't have depth, but we have depth. Um, but, like, you know, like at the outside linebacker position now, you know, you still got Tevin Paul. You still have Cam Good. But then now you start mixing in guys like Orn Patu. And if Iosefa comes onto campus and he, you know, just looks great, then now you can rotate guys a lot more and put in some weird packagings, right? You can sub out your inside linebackers and put in just four offensive uh, outside linebackers there and just rush from the edge and then have your safeties dip down if you want to play like a engage eight type of defense. <laughs> Madden staple. Yeah. yeah, Madden staple, engage eight, man. <laughs> um, there's just a lot of things you can do now uh, because you know you have the talent that won't drop off from the too deep. Yeah. And so now you can ro- move guys around and do a little bit more creative and do some creative things with, you know, your most talented players and somehow get your most talented players on the field all at once. So that'll be very, very interesting. Yeah, it'll be fun. Oof. I think my last one is uh, Andy Alfieri. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> love, love him. Love the name. Um, I mean, the dude's, like, I'm looking at his uh, offer lists, right? And at least the ones that have been registered is Cal, Air Force, Oregon, Oregon State, Utah. Yeah, he was so, one of my favorites early on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Casey Filkins probably would have made this list, but mm-hmm. no longer here. I'm going to that. I don't even know who he is. Yeah. Um, so, Andy is now my favorite guy from uh, the state of Oregon now. Uh, and, you know, he's... I. I was reading up on him earlier today, and apparently he had a fracture in his back in September. Don't know what that means in terms of his like recovery um, and if he'll play because it wasn't it wasn't a break; it was just a, a slight fracture. Um, granted, that's something you it's a it's your back, yeah, so dude, like, you probably want to take that pretty slow. Um, it's just a fractured back. It's just a fractured back. Get out there and keep playing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's very. It's a very interesting position because he's really talented. Um, but do you push him to come back, like when, or do you like steadily bring him back because you have these other guys that you brought in, not only in this class, but the guys that you have built up in terms of depth. So, but I love the tape. The dude's very good sideline to sideline. He makes his good reads. They list him at outside linebacker, but I believe they're moving him into inside. Um, so don't quote me on that. I might be mistaken, mm. but I'm pretty sure they were, they said they're moving him to inside linebacker. Um, so yeah, he has the ability to do that. Um, and you know, if anything's to be said, inside linebackers from the North Pacific Northwest for us have been pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. They've been all right. <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah. they don't, they just set records, not you defensive, 
Pac-12 <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year or anything. I don't know. No, 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 no AP All-American first team, you know, but whatever. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it uh, for my list. Um, you're, I would just want your overall – we talked about, like, all the our main guys, but how key was it to keep this class intact, and how do you feel about this class as a whole, like – moving on do you do you feel like the majority of this class are impact guys or do you feel like there's like a good mix or lean towards guys that'll probably be more impactful maybe like a year down the road when the guys above them have graduated i think i think for the sake of how you build your program as much as we may wish a lot of these guys it'll still be one or two years before we actually see most of their impact but i think that this is the type of class that i was envisioning these are, these are the classes to me that kind of built up the foundation of the Stanford program under uh, under Harbaugh, which is you actually lean more into three stars and then you sprinkle in some from four-star recruits in there and uh, you just really get depth, a really solid depth everywhere. I mean, it reminds me of like the Utah class and we seem to be in that kind of model. So I'm actually super, I mean, we should, it's, it's Wilcox's best class. Overall, on, yeah. Ever. And it's top 30 on rivals. We're just barely behind Stanford. I mean, it was a, it's a big deal. Um, and the, the nice, the thing that's different this year is that this class has offer letters from programs that we want to be competing with. And that is to me what the biggest separation is from class past, like classes of the past. Like these guys offers lists were, you know, deep and what i think this shows more than anything was that all the work that wilcox and his staff did to go out there immediately when they got hired in california and build those connections that's actually paying off because we're getting a higher like we're getting a higher caliber recruit of what we were getting before um so overall i think there's nothing besides excitement about where we're at with this yeah, I mean, the big thing is people talk about stars and stuff all the time. And, of course, stars do matter. Like, in the, in the grander scheme of things, like, yeah, if you have a team built of five stars, you're going to build a program like faster. Clemson with, what, nine? Yeah. Was it nine five-stars yeah. or and six? I, I think it was nine or six five-stars, but then, like, 20-something, like, five Oops. and four-stars put together. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Clemson, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how you're going to build a program overnight. <laughs> you know, and consistently compete for national championships. But, you know, the way you build up a, a slow and steady program that gets to that point, like especially where we're at, is you get those high three stars, those medium to low four star guys that, you know, these Alabamas and Georgias and other schools like that that go after them as backups or as depth players. And they become starters for us and they, they get the playing time and they, they're not sitting back behind anyone and they get to develop here. Like that, the NFL they, is not made of a bunch of five star guys. No, um, they're most they're. I mean, I dare say mostly guys that played college f- for four years, mostly. So, yeah, I think that's the that's the mold we have to go to at least for now. Yeah. I think when you get that baseline of like you're constantly pulling four stars in, then you start shooting for the five stars and I seeing think if at you our can compete. Best under Tedford, I seem to remember we would like our average star value on rivals is what I always pay attention. We were like three, 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 four. I yeah. think that Tosh class, one of the Tosh classes, we were three, four, and I think it's going to take you know more. We would get like six, seven, four stars, and that's totally possible. Um, but I'll, I mean, dude, like 
I think about this year and like Makai Polk and like all these guys that were able to contribute and you know just they're finding the right type of players. Yeah. So I think that matters more than any rating system. Yeah. Um, we talked about that at the top of the podcast, right? We talked about how all of these guys stuck despite the OC saying that he was leaving. <laughs> That's crazy. That man. tells you like crazy. the type of guys that you did and the, the hell of a sell job that you did of the university um, and the program under Justin Wilcox's direction, right? Like this, I think for me, this, this isn't about like, oh, they like, you know, they much rather prefer to play for the new OC than, than Bo or, or whatever, you know, people like want to, to say around this. No, no. For me, this is all about how good Justin Wilcox has built his relationships with said players and how well he sold them on, hey, even though the offensive quarter might be changing, trust me in the direction that we're going. And they and they bought that and it doesn't help or it it doesn't not help to have the number one public university as the diploma that you're getting at the end of the four years here. Yeah. So you know, I think they're doing a good job of balancing that. Here's the football program, and here's the direction that we want to go, and here's you know the football aspect of it. But here's the other side. Like it's a fifty-fifty. It's not a and. It's like a these go in tandem together. And I think that's the way they're selling it, which is great. Like it's a steady, long-term fashion build instead of just here come five star. We'll play you right away, regardless of how good or bad you are. <laughs> Like, you know, and trying to trying to jumpstart mm-hmm. your team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. It'll be a while before we start competing, but hey, whatever whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Um, I think that's it. That wraps it up for us. We are all done here on the Bearcast today. Um, I think the last thing that we do need to mention is a lot of people have been asking about. The restructuring, um, all this stuff that's going on uh, with SB Nation and what's happening. Um, I tweeted this out yes on Monday when all the news broke. But just to reaffirm to everyone, all of us on the staff know of what's happening. All of us on the staff are in constant communication of what to do. Um, I will say uh, that... You know, we're not ready to, to say what we're going to decide to do, whether whatever option we have. But I will say that we're not just going to go into the night. Like whatever we decide to do, um, I think all of us are in, in unison in that we want to go in a direction, regardless of what direction that is. We don't know yet. But we do want to head in some sort of direction. We're not just dismantling um, <laughs> all the riders, you know. We and, are not uh, directionless. Yeah. So we had a bunch of options on the table for us. And one of the options that Avi laid out was like, let's just cheers, say it was a good run, and everyone go, you know, just right off into the sunset. We have clearly marked that off of the options list. So that is not happening. Um so yeah, I think that's the best way to address this right now without going into any of the specifics. Um, but just know that whatever you send to us via Twitter and uh, just in the thread right now on our main page, like we're reading all of it. All of us are reading all of it. All of us know like your thoughts and everything, and 
and all the of all the thank you messages that we've received so far like we it humbles us so much um that this community this what we do means so much to these many people um and we totally 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 receive all of that and want to reciprocate that back so that's pretty much the spiel that i got on what is currently happening but just be on the lookout uh for more news and and uh just announcements and stuff but we still got a, a ways to go um so yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> any final thoughts andy no um yeah uh, thanks so much for the support and this community has been super special i think to be able to engage with cal football and Cal Athletics at a deeper level and just continue that conversation and have that dialogue is what makes us all special. And if you guys are or are not connecting with us on Twitter or all these other options, like we're going to find a way to kind of extend that relationship. And, um, you know, I think this is a really good opportunity to, to potentially even make something that could be more engaging and more and better, uh, for the community as a whole. Um, because, you know, things were pretty much the same and, sometimes change is is tough but then you come out of it and you can be in a really good place and and sometimes you don't but no matter what i think uh yeah the community will exist here it's bigger than any platform and um and the big thing is just to stand up the people that uh that are going through the change so i'll do my best to do that too yeah so with that um you can find us on twitter at golden bearcast New name. New name. Same people. Same people. Same, same time. Location. Same location. Same thread. Whatever you may be. Same optimism. Yep. Uh, you can find me at Rob11HWANG. You can find Andy at Andy J Beast Mode. And you can find um, some more stuff uh, on CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. Uh, we also have a Discord, sorry, Discord channel set up that a lot of people have been joining. The, uh, the link is on our Twitter page. Or the Golden Blogs Twitter page. I can't remember. But check our Twitter page, which is at, once again, at Golden Bearcast. And join in on our 24 hours a day, seven days a week conversation on the Golden Bears. And that's it. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Go Bears.